I think everybody should try. You hear it on deathbed stories. Regret is the thing that really burns away at people. Oliver Yonchev, an entrepreneur, speaker, and the co-founder and CEO of Flight Story, a marketing strategy, content, and media company that you founded in 2021 with Stephen Bartlett. Welcome to the podcast, Oli. You're coming out firing. <laughs> I started my career as a musician, had some moderate success, got a record deal, those types of things. But then that didn't work out. What are the key learnings from uh, leading and scaling social change? But it's very hard to detach what you do from who you are. No one likes change. And actually, if you're an organization that can lean into change and help companies turn all the confusion into opportunity, I think that's good business. Do you hold crypto in your portfolio? I think the Web3 space is fascinating. When I think of Web3, I think of blockchain. I think about more immersive digital experiences, so that's AR, VR, and the real-world application of machine learning and artificial intelligence. I'd be lying to myself if I didn't say that my career and what I do isn't a big part of my identity. Have you ever struggled with mental health? I don't think I've ever been depressed. It's a bit of a curse. My mind doesn't stop. I don't get downtime. I'm uncomfortable in situations where I have too much time on my hands. I always think you need to set yourself some goals. That fulfillment you get from working towards mm. those things. Combining that with good fortune, luck, having a great family and great relationships, I think those things have kept me sane and happy. Welcome to the podcast, Oli. Yeah, I'm really excited to be here. Very excited too. So someone would define you as a young, successful, and pretty laid-back entrepreneur. So why don't we start with uh, some context about your background? What are the key moments in your life that led you to being here today and founding Flight Story Group at such a young age? Um, so yeah, my background, uh, big moments in my life. So I am a failed indie rocker. I started my career as a musician. Before that, I was a failed football player. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it gets better though it starts <laughs> no I, I grew up always wanted to be a football player uh, my mother was a dancer she was very musically inclined I pursued a career in music had some moderate success got a record deal those types of things um, and then that didn't work out so I went back to university studied um, that took me on a path into media worked for a large media owner Um, left that business and joined a startup in Manchester called Social Chain, which went on to be uh, an incredible success story in marketing and advertising, um, and which then led me to starting Flight Story in 2021 with Stephen. So uh, that's that's a snapshot of about 15 years. <laughs> what, what are the, the key learnings from uh, leading and scaling Social Chain? Um, Yeah, there are many learnings. I think foundationally what I learned through that entire process is optimism and ambition are precursors to success. You know, it seems really obvious that you have to have ambition if you want to achieve great things. Um, but social chain was 100% that. There was this fundamental belief within the walls of that organization that we could take on the world. And that momentum carried us through the highs, it carried us through the lows, and it was self-fulfilling. Other things I thought that were incredibly important was culture, over-investing in culture. And everybody talks about culture in an organization, um, 
And culture is this kind of fugazi term. Is it how you act? Is it the people? Is it what leadership say? And it's a collection of everything. Um, what I think is important for organizations to be truly intentional. They have to be intentional with what they want their culture to be. And culture can mean many things. You can just say, we want to be the highest performing team in the world. We want to achieve mastery at this thing. We want to be the most knowledgeable business. And the intention you put around the culture will often determine that. And then the final thing I would say is that's a build on culture is people. I think um, peop the definition of an organization or a company is a group of people. Mm. Um, so it's so important that when you find great people, you create an environment that great people can thrive. Um, you give them the freedom to do so. And they're my big three lessons through social change. For, for the culture side, especially when you're that young, how do you even go about it? Yeah. You read books? Do you have mentors? You know do you, what? So, so, do you just try out things and hope it works out for the best? I think it's a combination of all of those things. For me, culture is, I don't think it has to be overly complicated. Ask yourself, what do I want out of employment and a career? Mm. And we all kind of want the same things. We all want to um, feel, feel fulfilled. We all want like an element of challenge. We all want to be working towards something bigger than the day job. It's to have a bigger mission. We want to feel secure. We want growth. So you create a culture that can provide those things. I don't think you have to overthink it. It's like, what would I and how would I like to spend my time with? And that should determine how your culture forms. But again, intention and being very, putting a lot of effort into maintaining and not making compromises. It's very easy to erode a culture. You know, if you have five people in a room and one person doesn't fit the culture, that's mm. 20% of your culture. That's a huge erosion. So defend it, be intentional um, and don't overthink it. <laughs> so basically it's starting with I mean, common sense. Just and sense. what you want, start with yeah. what you want. Who do you want to be around? How do you get fulfillment is a good starting place. What's one of the hardest problems that you've ever solved? The hardest problem. Um, the hardest problem I have ever solved. I think probably the, the hardest problem for me has been figuring out how you stay really present when you're very ambitious and mm. you may be able to empathize with that that's a good one yeah for me <laughs> I, i think that's a huge problem because uh, i i i think a lot that ambition has been a huge part of why i've gone on to try things mm. or maybe achieve things um but fundamentally it comes at a cost it's a bit of a curse my mind doesn't stop you know when i don't get downtime i'm uncomfortable um in situations where i have too much time on my hands That's not always a good thing. So I would say that's a problem I'm working at, but I'm very aware of. <laughs> are you? What are you doing for that? So you mean, for example, with a with a partner, or with friends, or or even in in business situations? Yeah, all all of the above. Um, I think if if you've embarked on any entrepreneurial journey or you're independent in any any respect, um, I think you can empathize with the fact that it's very hard to detach. Mm. what you do from who you are. So it was funny. I was asked, um, I was asked the other day, 
who is Oliver? Like, it's like, okay. And I started just talking about like flight story. Yeah. <laughs> so it just shows how attached I am to what I do. Yeah. And I feel I'm probably more than that, but like there's, there's layers to me, but my default reaction. So I'd be, I'd be, uh, lying to myself if I didn't say that, uh, my career and what I do isn't a big part of my identity. So uh, I talk more in the context of how do I deal with being present? Um, I, I just be at peace with, you know, this is who I am. Um, try and reframe it not as a problem, but as just, uh, this is the price of entry and I'm almost at peace with it. If that makes sense. <laughs> Do you think you're at the point, there's a lot of people who are very successful financially or building businesses, but they're not happy basically because they're completely <clears throat> tying their, um, personality to their business. Yeah. And then you have there is always going to be shit happening in business, or you might fail a company or you might lose a lot of money quickly. And this might impact you a lot. Do you think you are you you are detached enough so that if something bad happens, you still have a good foundation? Yeah, and you still think you know highly of yourself, or yeah, hundred percent. I, um, I think the the bit one of the biggest coping mechanisms I've had around is ensuring that I have balance or I feel successful in other elements of my life. So when work goes wrong. I have to, I feel good about the sports I'm doing or I'm feeling good about my health or my friendships or my relationships, my family. Um, that gives you balance because inevitably things will go wrong in work. Things will go wrong in relationships. Things will go wrong around your passions. So I think not being anchored to just this one thing is probably a helpful coping mechanism. Um, and the biggest thing I, I, I've probably found helping in, in times of stress is, is having the other things that I'm like deeply passionate about, Very still cool. obsessed with. Um, I love kickboxing. Okay. Yeah. I love awesome. kickboxing, love fitness. Um, yeah. Uh, have an amazing family, really good, you know, relationships. So yeah, I, I think I've managed to maintain my happiness through darker times in a career simply by having a bit more balance and investing energy in those things as well. Mm. You seem like a pretty calm, collected dude. Have you ever struggled with mental health? Um, have I ever struggled with mental health? Um, I definitely feel low. I would. I don't think I've ever been depressed. I'm pretty. I don't think I have. I've had low moments. Um, I've had low You know, weeks where I'm not as motivated as others. But generally speaking, uh, I feel blessed that I feel happy most of the time. Mm. So yeah, I I I have a lot of empathy for people that go through mental struggles, but um, I can't say I have. That's awesome. But you also you also have the the entire setup. You said you're doing kickboxing. You go to gym. You do a bunch of stuff. What do you do during the day to make sure that you you feel good? Yeah, I, I think um, my diet needs to be better. I don't eat as healthy as I'd like to. I'm sure everyone can relate to that. Um, but I stay incredibly active in different things. So um, fitness has been a foundation in different, whether it's different sports, playing football, kickboxing, boxing, different things. Um, I've always had that as a foundation. I've always had an anchor point in a career. I think it's so important that you have something you're working towards. And these don't have to be monumental goals, but I always think you need to set yourself some goals. 
and and you know that that fulfillment you get from working towards mm. those things um and i think combining that with good fortune luck having a a great family and great relationships i think those things have um have kept me sane and happy <laughs> how important is personal branding to you personal branding i have a renew i i've long been a preacher of the value of personal branding um and increasingly as our teams get bigger and um my responsibility shift more from doing the work to communicating and selling the vision whether that's selling it to new team members or selling it to you know um a lender selling it to a company that we want to invest in as my responsibility has shifted to being a communicator of what we do mm. um i've got an increased appreciation for it i think the link between uh, it's interesting personal brand has got a, a bit of a, a it's almost been wrapped up as a dirty word and it's been associated in in certain negative connotations for me personal brand is just your online reputation when you strip it back to that who doesn't want to have uh, a far reaching um robust great online reputation um yeah <laughs> like who wouldn't want that especially so. when you know what everything that derives from that and all the opportunities it, it brings to you Yeah and there's another thing right I I started um primarily on LinkedIn I I started creating content to promote flight story and um one of the things that I learned I did it purely as a selfish motive to help promote the business and inadvertently what that forced me to do was just learn so much about forming ideas and learning new things because I would I gave myself a commitment every day I'm going to post something on LinkedIn and in doing that I have to think of new things to post mm -hmm. I have to learn I have to seek out knowledge um you're also in putting your ideas out into the world most people struggle with that the fear of repercussion or getting it wrong or looking silly and what I've tend to found it, find is in putting your ideas into the world you either a gain more conviction like I say something out there and people applaud it and say it's a great idea or people disagree and your opinion evolves or shapes so i generally think putting your ideas into the world is really beneficial and that's very interlinked with this idea of personal brand reputation so i i think there's a huge amount of learning you can gain from embarking on a personal brand journey what's the most efficient way to do personal branding today for entrepreneurs who you know are building new businesses and realize oh this is very important and who wants to start because there's so many different ways of doing it for example podcasting is a great one because mm -hmm. you just come on the podcast and you have these video clips and you can just use them like that what 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 would you say is the most efficient i mean i know you're doing these videos so what, what would you recommend people who want chat, to be as efficient as possible chat gpt no i'm joking <laughs> 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 no, I actually think look there's uh, there's a couple of things here. I think you just have to lean into what's really natural. I um I want to be a better writer than I am, but I'm quite slow. If I type, I'm quite slow at typing. So for me to articulate my ideas in written form, it takes me a lot longer than it does to point a camera and say what do you think about this? So all I've done is leaned in person. I think the foundation is lean into something that you're more comfortable doing. and if that's writing lean into that 
if it's video, if it's the art of conversation, lean into that and then figure out a system where you just be consistent. Give yourself, I don't like mandates around marketing, like you have to do this many posts a week or, but there is something about the discipline and consistency and that commitment you make to yourself to say, I'm going to do four podcasts a month and you just don't compromise. Yeah. Enforcing. So I think that discipline is is a foundation. And then finally is just do it. Don't hesitate. Don't overthink. Don't pursue perfection. Everyone hates their own voice. Everyone hates aspects about themselves. Just get over it. Just do it. <laughs> I think like the discipline and the just do it is actually the two yeah. ingredients of everything in life. The, the building a business, all this stuff, personal branding, whatever you do. And it's what most people just don't do they don't start and if they start they do it for the same as gym same as meditation they just do it for a couple of days or a couple of weeks and then they just get tired of it and they just stop yeah i i watched uh i think it was chris williamson just did a podcast recently and he basically said uh, i think the data point was some obscene number if you do more than three podcast episodes it's something like um you're in the top 10 percent of all podcasts because fewer people Everybody get stops. past three <laughs> If you do 21 episodes, you're in the top one percentile yeah. of all podcasters in the history of podcasting just by doing 21 episodes. Yeah. So that point around discipline and consistency, you can win just on that basis. Yeah. I think there was also a Harry Stebbings from a 20, 20 VC who yeah. was saying he's been doing that for eight years and a half and 90% of the downloads are within the last 12 months. Yeah. So you just see the... How long it takes and then and then the exponential effect at some point I've, I've seen it time and time again steven's been doing the podcast yeah. for several years you look at the last two years it looks like a rocket ship chris williamson meteoric success been doing it for years same again harry sebbins yeah any podcast you admire started it's the classic um overnight success story that took <laughs> 10 years <laughs> exactly <laughs> I remember having a chat with Steven about two years ago and he said he would never launch a marketing or media company again because building a media uh, and strategy agency is very hard. You need a lot of people. It's not very scalable. You have a lot of high fixed costs. So what are you guys doing differently with Flight Story uh, yeah. when compared to social chain? Yeah, when we launched Flight Story, that was the intention not to be a marketing business. And for the longest time, for a year, we resisted calling ourselves a marketing business. Um, but for me, marketing is a vehicle to solve a lot of problems for companies, whether that's helping companies build their brand and their reputation, whether that's helping them grow, whether that's helping them innovate or try new things. And ultimately, marketing creates value for organizations. So um, when we first launched Flight Story, we geared our efforts towards um, either re-engineering how agencies work with clients. So our first thesis was that, you know, there are certain things you should lean on an agency for, and there are certain things that the skills and tools that you should harness yourself. Mm -hmm. So our job was to work with organizations in a consulting capacity, help them build the teams and infrastructure to then help them solve their business problems. That's where we started. We got kind of nine months into the business and we looked inwards and 60% of what we were doing was we were helping big fashion brand launch an NFT project. We were helping um, large uh, exchange re-engineer their digital strategy. We were helping X, Y, and Z with a creator strategy. So we looked inwards and went as much as on the outside, we resisted 
calling ourselves a marketing company. Um, we found ourselves and we just accepted our fate and went, you know what, we're very good at this. We understand the dynamics of business. Um, and we think there's room for something new, different and interesting. And what I will say is I won't over, I won't over engineer what is new about us because fundamentally service businesses and marketing companies all kind of do the same thing. What I would say sets us apart is I believe we have higher standards than most marketing agencies. I believe we pull talent and the people from such varied backgrounds, whether it's consulting, finance, you know, people that just understand the internet intimately. I think we think differently about teams and how teams collaborate. And finally, our sort of thirst for knowledge and technology and understanding how technology can help and aid companies. I guarantee we can work with businesses and probably make their marketing five times more efficient today if they listen to us. I'm not even saying better. And I'm confident to say we can make marketing efforts better because that's fundamentally what we do. But yeah, I'd say there are big points of difference where we pay a lot of attention. Do you think it's also linked to your age? And you are pretty much out there, like everywhere everywhere on social media, people see you everywhere. So you, you probably sometimes come across the age factor. You know, ah, yeah, these guys are too young. They can't understand how to do business or 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 how to invest money because uh, you need to have more experience, etc. But on the other hand, which is not necessarily true, obviously, but on the other hand, you can also use this as your advantage and say, hey, look, like we understand we are mature or old enough to understand mm -hmm. to understand business but young enough to still be very flexible with new technologies and uh, yeah and i do the best out of it i am the biggest believer in the curse of knowledge you can know too much about any one thing and actually experience as much as it's a value add in many respects it can be limiting it comes yeah. with preconceptions of how things should be done you'll tend to find experienced people aren't usually the innovators They're not the ones that shift the tectonic plates of society and fabric. It's usually younger people, right? And what I'd say on the experience point is what Jeff Bezos was an investment banker. What did he know about selling books? Yeah. Not a lot, right? Went on to be, you know, Amazon. So I think um, just because you have an evidence you've done something doesn't mean you're not capable. Um, but over time, I, I definitely think I have, as long as we structure our teams and have the experience around us and we can inject our version of the world of what we think will be successful, I think we stand a good chance of succeeding. So you, you recently launch, launched a 100 million fund. Why? Um, a number of reasons. So um, from a flight story, so we have flight story, which is our services. We do strategy content media and flight fund. Um, which is an investment vehicle. And there was a number of reasons. So on one hand, Stephen has a phenomenal network of entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. um, and when we looked at the European funding market, um, there are, money and capital tends not to come from entrepreneurs. I think it's some staggering statistic. It's over, I think it's 97% of funding, or only 3% of funding comes from entrepreneur-backed entities. And that to me is a massive injustice, very different in the US. Entrepreneurs and capital, it's much more interlinked. But when you look in Europe, so I think the foundation was there's a huge opportunity to bring together a collective of entrepreneurs that can add value, can empathize, that are active to support businesses. The other was from a service standpoint, we get a ton of visibility on amazing companies. 
So for us to not only support them, help them grow, but able to at some point maybe take a position or invest capital into the business, that was part of the process. Um, And then the final piece was opportunity, bringing to connecting the dots between we can really help companies build a brand and grow Um, alongside if we can put a meaningful investment and benefit from the upside of seeing their growth, that that's good business. Yeah, absolutely. One of the one of the key focus that you have with this fund and even with your agency in general is Web three. What is what do you make of this Web three thing? What do you think about it? Yeah, it's funny the the Web three term. I'm not the biggest fan of the Web three term. It's a softened term because crypto became dirty, blockchain's too complicated, and Web three felt like a nice catch all for a few things, right? Um, but what I j- just generally believe is, I think we're at this fascinating time where technology is shifting, is just disrupting everything, and the internet disrupted everything. And then mobile did it again. And I actually think what's happening now is equally as disruptive, whether it's questioning conventional norms, commercial models, how companies orchestrate, where we talk about what's right, what's wrong. I think the Web3 space is fascinating. For me personally, I distill it down to three areas when I think of Web3 being the next reiteration of the internet. I think of blockchain and the technologies and the new possibilities that the blockchain creates, whether that's crypto, NFTs, Mm -hmm. decentralization. I think about more immersive digital experiences, whether that's AR, VR, this utopia or this idea of the metaverse. I think that's part of it. And then the other piece that's now becoming more prevalent is the real-world application of machine learning and artificial intelligence. I think Web3 is a catch-all for those three things, and each of them are going to play a significant role in our future. It's just a matter of time. So for us to anchor our business and be highly proficient and skilled and have the knowledge in these areas, and I would say one of the things that people don't like change like no one likes change. If you if I change my Instagram UX or like it was changed today, I'd be like, oh, what's that about? Yeah. I wouldn't like it. I'd resist it. No one likes change. And actually, if you're an organization that can lean into change and help companies turn all the confusion into opportunity, I think that's good business. So we we were very clear in we, that was kind of our anchor point and how we think about our relationship with Web3. That's a very smart way, actually. You have all this technology progress that is going way too fast for most of the companies that are there and if you're just like in between and saying hey look like we understand this stuff and we can help you embrace it that's definitely uh, the way to go do you hold crypto in your portfolio or is crypto web 3 this thing more of a business play so personally i hold crypto um, I, I was an observer for a long time. I bought a, a domain called BitExchange like a decade ago. Like quite a few, uh, like I've got quite a few different um, crypto related domains. And I remember my first time trying to uh, to buy crypto on Coinbase. I look, I, I saw an email on my account. I tried to set up a Coinbase account like so long ago. Um, and I just remember being confused by it. So I never actually bought anything. Then six, seven, eight years passed and I joined probably started maybe investing like 2017-ish. Okay. So a few years ago, but wasn't in the 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 really early early stage, but certainly somewhat peripherally aware. And I didn't fully understand it, couldn't comprehend it. But over time, my my position changed and it started to evolve. And mine was, I was actually a, quite a cynic 
of crypto for a long time because I, I, I struggled to envisage a world where governments would give up control, that they would allow this to happen, the movements and the borderless movements. But as we've seen sort of regulations start to evolve and we're starting to see the foundations of what like a new world order could look like, still many unknown unknowns. Yeah. Um, what changed your view concretely? And also like in terms of personal investment, are you big into this or it's more like one of your plays because you find it interesting? Yeah, it's probably, it's less than 10% of what I do. Okay. 10%. But I, I have a reasonable property portfolio and business is a big part of what I do. So I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm a pretty safe investor. I'm the like relatively stable. So I, only for the reason, not that I don't believe in it, but I tend not to overexpose myself to anything. Which is actually hard to do because I started investing in 20, 2008 back as a, I set up a Barclays stockbroker account and started investing at the height uh, basically of the last recession yeah. and the last crash. And what happened is everything went up. So I went through these bull runs when I started investing. I backed winners every time and I thought I was a genius. So I'm there putting my student loans into the stock market. I think I'm a genius. So I'd seen these cyclical cycles and it's such an emotional game investing in crypto. <laughs> it's a roller coaster. So I kind of came into it, even, even a nascent, I came into it somewhat experienced yeah. about not falling into the traps. So I, I've been relatively balanced with my crypto endeavors. I mean, that's how you learn. You get burned once or twice and then you... Your biggest lessons are in the, in the pain. The pain is where you <laughs> learn the most, my man. <laughs> I can definitely relate to that. Um, <laughs> what's the best advice you've ever been given? Oh, best advice. What a question. Well, um, I'm not going to say the best advice because I've been given so, so much. I'm blessed to have wisdom that I think I've retained. Um, my, I'm going to say my favorite quote um, and my favorite quote is the, if you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. Okay. That, awesome. That, Good one. That for me is, uh, I think it's, <laughs> I don't know if it's Henry Ford originally, but I'm pretty sure he's credited with it. I just love that thesis because I, I fundamentally believe that. What's one of the biggest mistakes you made in your life? Biggest mistake I made? Um... The biggest mistake I made, I actually think I spent a little too long. And it, I'm not going to say it's a huge mistake because I gained a lot of value. I probably spent a little too long in my earlier life, post being a musician, um, not pursuing entrepreneurship. I think I spent a little too long working. And I gained a lot of skills working for a large corporation, a large media owner. Uh, met some great colleagues, learned a lot. Um, however, I reflect and go, I probably should have pulled the trigger on my entrepreneurial journey earlier. So I'm not going to say it's a mistake, but in hindsight, I would have started earlier. Why do you think you did so? Do you think it's because of one or two failures in sport and then music yeah. and be like, I don't want to fail again? Or it's just because of uh, at some point I need to find a way to make money to sustain my life? Or I, I think it was both of those things, right? And, and look, I, I, I came from, I grew up in, a, in Barnsley. It's a very low aspiration town. So like, you know, the high, my, all my friends, and not that there's anything wrong with this, but would be, mm. you know, would be, what are you going to be when you're older? I'm going to be a bricklayer. And that's fine. We need bricklayers. But if that's the height of your imagination, I was always, I'm going to take over the fucking world. I want to be a footballer. I want to do this. I want to experience things. But I didn't know the steps I needed to take to get there. And the media career was almost like this bridge period for me to like learn about the world, but anyway, in a nice, safe, stable environment. 
Um, I reflect where I am now and go, I should have just pulled the trigger earlier because I was buying throughout my entire time. I was uh, at the company for five years and I remember just I was buying um, like website domains. I was doing yeah. everything. I wanted right. to. I just couldn't pull the trigger. And it's probably in part fear, probably in part my shallow ego going, I can't take a loss again. I've done this. I failed. I did this. I failed. Um, but I think I built up the resilience and and I never lost the belief, never lost the belief. It was always there, that like ambition and belief. What what would you recommend to someone who, you know, young dude or young gal in a random village who are like you and say, ah, oh, I feel that I'm different from most people here, but I don't know what to do. Should I move to a bigger city? Should I, what, what, what? what What should they do? Leave, leave. Um, regardless, I what kept me longer in 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 my town, and um, it was a real eye opener. I moved to the US at some point, and I, I lived in New York for five years, and um, that was hugely eye opening. You're at the center of the universe, but you're equally insignificant, and like those two things, that clash of worlds was so valuable to me. So my number one advice would be leave, make yourself uncomfortable. And that's so important, particularly if you're young. Everyone has slightly different circumstance, but like you're 19, what's the risk? You've got time. You've got the, the greatest asset on the planet, time. Do you think there is a moment where people should not do that anymore? Very complex question, yeah. right? <laughs> Subjective. If you have a family, you have commitments, you can't, you can't, um, I, th I think there's a time where some people, I think everybody should try because you hear it on deathbed stories. Regret is the thing that uh, really burns away at people. So you should always try. But I also think as you evolve and your life changes and circumstance, your priorities shift. You know, I haven't, my fire to try and do more hasn't gone yet, but maybe at some point I won't have that same motivation. Mm. And if that's true, maybe my priorities shift. So I think it's very subjective, but I think everybody should try. What's something that you believe in that most people would not agree with? Oh, that's a great question. That's one of the like get you cancelled questions, isn't it? <laughs> it's more like controversial, no. but like with limits. <laughs> Yeah, of course. What did I? Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna go down like the rabbit hole. I'm a Scientologist, and no, I'm joking. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Um, what do I believe that uh, most people don't? So I'm gonna say that I believe that 90%. Um, this is. I believe that like 90% of people's problems could be addressed if people took different actions. Not all problems. So um, I'll give you an example. 90% of all health concerns are preventable. As in, when you Absolutely. look at the data, 10% you can't prevent, 90% are based on external factors. So that to me, I think you can extrapolate and say across all life, if you make different choices, and that doesn't mean that you're, you'll get different outcomes. I believe that 90% could solve a lot of their problems with different choices. Why do you think people are not doing this? Well, we all know the answers, right? We all know we should sleep, we should eat better, we go to the gym, we should work hard, um, we should have like good relationships. Um, we kind of know the playbook for fulfillment. It's not that we don't know it. Um, it's just really hard to do. Humans are flawed. We have like egos, we have, um, you know, 
people have a lot of people have really challenging circumstances in their life and they don't necessarily haven't worked or evidenced or built a resilience to help them cope with that. So this isn't a, a point of judgment, but those people, if they made different choices, could have different outcomes. But I'm not saying it's easy. So I, I just think we, we kind of all know the answers. It's just hard to do them, right? <laughs> Absolutely. If there was a summary or key takeaway that people should remember from today, what would it be? Um, I would like to say if you are... If you are interested on in an entrepreneurial journey or you have ambitions and you are young, um, start it. And if you are not young, um, regret's a hell of a fucking thing to carry. So do it. Do it still. <laughs> and do it disciplined and consistent. Remember, like most people start something, they don't continue. Consistency will be what separates you from everybody else. Absolutely. The consistency and the discipline and then the, just the compounding of your actions every day Absolutely. is what makes the difference with, between people who succeed and people who don't. Thank you so much for your time, Oli. Where can the audience find you and connect with you? Um, I'm just at Oliver Yonchev on social media channels and um, I'm quite active on LinkedIn. So just Oliver Yonchev. Awesome. Wonderful. Thank you, everyone, for listening and watching. Please smash the like button and give us your feedback in the comments. And I'll see you all in the next episode. Thank you.